It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Got a great book by Sarah Shin, Beyond Colorblind is the name of the book. So, what do you feel about the church being sensitive to people of different races and ethnicities? What a great topic. We never covered it before. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Mike. I'm really happy to be on the show. It's uh, Is it Dr. Sarah? Oh, no. One day, but not yet. All right. Well, you, <laughs> so thanks for checking. Yeah, because I know you went to MIT. We'll talk about that and everything. And uh, interesting, sure. interesting life. It says redeeming our ethnic journey. So interesting topic. And I've always wanted to talk about it. I come from a Jewish background. And so uh, right off the bat, sometimes people look at you like, hey, what are you doing in church? You know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they see something different in uh, my ethnicity and others as well. So how important is this topic? Um, you know, I think it's really important today, um, even more so than before. I think it's always been important, but I think if we look around, we're seeing a lot of, of brokenness, of division. Um, it's almost every day, right, in the news screens, um, in stories of friends and neighbors. So I think it's actually, this is the time and place for the church to actually think about what does it mean to be able to share the gospel relevantly in this topic to embody something different than what the world is showing and practicing. So I think it actually means thinking about what does it mean that all of us have an ethnic background that God made? It wasn't a mistake, but all of it has beauty and all of it has pain and sin and brokenness. Um, so I think in some ways the church has to grow some more muscles than it might have had in the past about talking about this, addressing this and equipping uh, people in the pews to be able to have a relevant, caring, and um, compassionate conversations and welcome to people of every every ethnic background and every racial background. I like how you if say they, that. They have to grow some muscle. You know, in other words, they yeah, got to get with the program. Yeah, church, come on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, a lot of times in these conversations, what's tricky is like people are coming from all over the map, right? Some people, um, especially my black friends, they've grown up hearing a lot, right, about uh, black culture, about um, race. And so they're coming in with a lot of language and tools and understanding that uh, they've been taught since they were little, right? And then um, uh, different folks, they come in, for me as an Asian American, as a Korean woman, I learned a lot about um, my people's history and culture, but I didn't really learn that much about what that meant for me, like racially, even though I had different experiences that were jarring until I got to college, and then for a lot of my white friends who I, I love dearly, like the first time they're even thinking about what does it mean, you know, <laughs> um, hmm. that, that I'm white or what does that have to do my, with my faith? That doesn't happen until much later. So then you're literally having people that if you use a swimming analogy, they've been swimming since they were like four or have never just started. They're starting to doggy paddle. Right. And then they're all supposed to have a conversation. And it's so confusing. Hmm. Um, so hoping that the book actually helps bring some common language. So a starting point so that we can actually have deeper conversation. We need that for sure. So maybe Michael Jackson was onto something, right? With that black and white song where, you know, who could forget that video, right? Where everyone morphed. It's like you had to accept everybody that were all, you know, as you say in what the Lord says, made in the image of God. So cool video, you know, but also it's, it's true kind of today. And um, there was some soap commercial, I think it was by Dove. And people were miffed where someone morphed and they, they were just trying to prove a point that Dove soap is for everybody. But they were uneasy how all of a sudden it went from Chinese to black to white and people removed that ad immediately. Did you hear about that? You know, I've heard of different Dove um, 
<laughs> some good, some bad. That yeah. specific one, and some of them are uh, sensitive, and some of them <laughs> instant. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm familiar with that specific yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I think you know commercials and ads. Uh, they they're sometimes they're hit or miss, right? Sometimes they really strike a chord. Other times they really strike at sensitive things. Um, and sometimes because, they go, I guess, back to where things where people weren't so sensitive, you know, and so you can't go back. You have to, you know, go forward. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of times, you know, like uh, when the the opening chapter, I do talk about how for a lot of people, colorblindness seems a lot better than overt racism, right? Or basically judging people and demeaning them based on their colors. So for many Americans and people in the U.S., um, particularly those that might be in their, in their 40s plus, they're like, well, colorblindness, that, that's the way to go because they so don't want to go back to the history of the past. But then what actually colorblindness also does, it, it doesn't allow you to acknowledge and see the differences. Um, my friend Michael is, uh, he's about my age, he's about like 35, um, he's a black man from Los Angeles, and he was in a small group, you know, with another minister. Um, she was a really kind white woman. Um, she was a little older than him, and, you know, she was like, you know, telling him when he was sharing about some of his experiences, um, experiencing racism on campus, she put her arm on his shoulder and said, you know, Michael, when I look at you, I don't see your color. And she meant that in terms of like, I think that you and I are both human beings, equal in stature in the image of God. So she meant great good. I, I but, read this part of the book where he says, look, yeah. I'm black. And if you don't see that, <laughs> something is wrong yeah. with you because I want you to acknowledge, you know, acknowledge my blackness here. Yeah, and he was saying, actually see me in both um, the things that hurt me, as well as acknowledge that I am different from you, and there's good things about that, you know, just as there are good things that are, that are different about her. And um, so, yes, yeah, so I think there's a lot of, like, a fear of going back to the past. Now, currently, um, there's a lot of different opinions. Some people just say whatever they want, you know, <laughs> and they're like, we're done with PC. Please don't do like, that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> no, I mean people, people who are listening, you know, and saying, yes, we're learning yes, sensitivity, yes. folks. We're learning. <laughs> yes. Um, but actually, um, I think in some ways, like, I, I don't think the opposite is to, like, do away with um, language or uh, things that are sensitive. Actually, I think it's let's let's, like, look at what God gave us. Let's be able to look at who we are so that we can see our neighbors better as well. And so let's actually equip and train um, our parishioners, our, our friends, our, our children in being able to actually in the face of ethnic tension or even cross-cultural differences right, or racial injustice to say, like, I see you hmm. and I'm a Christian and God calls me to do something about that. Um, and so we get beyond just kind of superficial kumbaya, holding hands sort of mm-hmm. things that we actually get into some of the deeper knowing each other and seeing each other. Now, have you ever heard something? It was, I think, a Dr. Lerner back in the day. I think it was in the 50s. It's called National Brotherhood Day. It's a parody oh, song. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> You've heard that or no? No, I don't think so. You never heard that. Okay, if you YouTube that, even in, you know, as we speak, as I'm talking here, it's called National Brotherhood Day by David Lerner. I think it's Dr. Lerner, okay? But it's a parody, it's a spoof, how we're all supposed to get along together, but underneath all that and all the you know sugary stuff is how we really feel about different races and, and so forth. So let's talk about it. And that's what the song was really all about. And you're saying we need to do that, really, that in your book you mentioned that we're all made in the image of God. 
and that we're special and God made us unique. So let's talk about it and that the church should be open to having a dialogue uh, with these type of discussions. And I have to ask you, Sarah, doesn't this all go back to Jesus in a way? I mean, when you think about it, right, that Jesus had blue eyes mm -hmm, and blonde hair (laughs) or for some Jesus was black or I mean, even when it comes to the Lord, that, that these things to accept him, I guess, as Jewish number one, we won't harp on that, but I, I'll say, though, that people, you know, a lot of churches, uh, you know, are uncomfortable with that, that uh, the ethnicity, ethnicity of Jesus. Yeah, so, you know, I think if we actually drew Jesus, sorry, I'm an artist, so my husband and I are both artists, so I have to talk oh, about wow. this, but, you know, we would, we would depict him as someone that looks Palestinian, you know, or someone that right. looks Middle Eastern, right? And, and he is Jewish. Um, and so I think, um, I think actually for us when we're um, thinking about this and addressing this, um, like we actually have to think about for a very long time, the church has held on to uh, the verses, you know, there's no difference between, uh, Greek, uh, and Jew, mm-hmm. you know, uh, barbarian, Scythian. I guess there and, is. Um, that's often used <laughs> I'm kidding. at times you know, to like talk about ethnicity. But actually, uh, when Paul's writing that, he's actually talking about um, there's no difference in spiritual status, like your ethnic background, right, should not make a difference in terms of your spiritual status before, before God, you know, your belief in Jesus allows you equal status. Um, And so, but then what you see Paul doing also, as he's writing these letters, and as he's going about doing his ministry throughout Acts, is he's being very culturally sensitive, to different parts, you know, he uh, refuses to circumcise Titus, and yet he circumcises Timothy. It's like, why is that? Now, Timothy is actually, he's, um, his mother is Jewish, and so he's actually respecting Timothy's culture. Um, so I think there's ways that um, we've actually sometimes taken certain verses, or and also in our reaction to not wanting to be um, divisive, as in the past, uh, sometimes we actually extract Jesus's ethnicity and his heritage, and in that we actually... Um, don't actually address ours. So I think there's like a lot of richness in looking at scripture and looking at Jesus's story. And is it terrifying at- though? For I mean, just looking at the Jewishness of Jesus. Okay, so I'm I'm particularly <laughs> sensitive to that. Okay, so let's just say, like, you know, let's just say that everyone really recognized him as Jewish. Now, I never hear people really talk about that and kind of put an ethnicity to the mm-hmm. Lord that way. And so, um, how would that change if we did that? Well, I think. Now, you're more the expert on Jewishness than I am. <laughs> but I think in Jesus' time, um, being a Jewish Hebrew, there, like, it meant both there was a spiritual background as well as, like, an ethnic background of descent. Um, now, so that, that probably varies a little bit more today, um, depending on the Jewish diaspora. But, um, so I think for Jesus, being Jewish meant both a spiritual heritage as well as a cultural ethnic heritage. And so when we look at him interacting with the Samaritan woman, right, when we look at him um, interacting with different people, he's actually interacting both as an ethnically Jewish, like Hebrew, as well as a spiritually uh, Jewish person, but also someone that's anticipating the, the Christian faith, that's uh, ushering it in. Um, so I think, your, what was your question then? Well, <laughs> I, I guess I threw a curve a little bit, but I, no, I just, you know, you don't really see the church acknowledge 
the ethnicity of the Lord. And so since this book is, you know, it's called uh, Beyond Colorblind, sometimes I have to look at it because it's, when the audience <laughs> looks at the cover, you're like, wait a minute, what is the name of the book? Because it <laughs> says B-O, you know, anyway, you have to read it. It says yeah. Beyond yeah, Color. Yeah, I um, chart, yeah. <laughs> colorblind. So anyway, though, but let's let's go beyond that for just a minute and just talk about what if we had an open and honest conversation with, uh, you know, everyone, all the blacks come up. Uh, I'm just kidding. You know, uh, African-Americans, all the uh, all the Hispanics, please. Are there any Jews here? Um, what if we did like a roll call and had an open discussion? And what, what would that look like? Well, one, I would not necessarily go about it quite like that. But <laughs> I think if we had set up a safe space, right, I do believe in actually setting up some ground rules. So because um a lot of us, most of us don't grow up learning about how to have these conversations. So if we set us on ground rules, like, hey, here's some things to avoid. Here's some, you know, general principles. And we figure out a way to actually hear each other. And actually, because yes. if you can hear each other's stories, right, then you can actually start to see each other. Um, I think it's really important to act. You can't love another person unless you actually, like, know them and you have to see mm-hmm. them. So I think um, if the church is willing to and if pastors are willing to, I think we need to start to create some of those spaces because if we can't hear each other in church, we definitely then can't actually have those conversations outside of church and, and actually model being peacemakers. It's true. Um, so I, I think it's time for the church. I'm hoping that the book actually really helps with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would love for the church to do more of that. Yes. Um, my, my dream is that. Here's why I like the book, Sarah. I'm, I'm, I love the book, actually, and, and because it's a, it's a topic that we need to talk about. And, and here's the reason why, too. There are a lot of churches that they're all white churches. They're all mm-hmm. black churches. And maybe if we kind of read this book a little bit and opened up uh, dialogue and discussion in the church, that we wouldn't do that. I have a feeling people do that is because we're comfortable with ethnicities that are like us. And is that okay? Is that fair? Is it okay that we have our white churches, we have our black churches, we have our Hispanic churches? Um, or is that not biblical? Should we kind of say, hey, we have to get to know each other? Um, I think as we look at America and as we see the diversity increasing, um, and as we hear the stats that actually American churches, right, are still some of the most segregated spaces, like Sunday, 10 a.m. is the most segregated time in the country. Um, I think it's hard to say that it's okay you know, to say to, to have a white only or a black only church. Now, there are many historical, racial, and cultural factors, right, that have made those things happen. So I think churches, especially churches that, um, that are white, you know, um, because there's a number of factors that have add into that, thinking about how do you intentionally um, pursue cross-cultural friendships and partnerships, it won't always mean, um, I think it definitely means including and welcoming people that don't look like a white folk, but also thinking about how do you partner across these different churches? So it's not just a matter of who's sitting in the pews of a building, but also how do you have partnerships and friendships across different churches so that there's actually a body of Christ um, that's happening, stories that are being shared, and leadership that's being shared. I think that's that's a, a vision of what could be so that our our parishes, our churches could actually start to engage with each other and cross yes. some of those lines. I do think also, um, you know, I'm a child of immigrants. There are churches that do specifically serve immigrants that are multilingual. Uh, that might be a different uh, language primarily than um, English. And I, th- I think we need those as well. So that's an added complexity. But I, I do think that um, our churches, we need to think about how do we welcome better now? Um, a number, like, 
in my experience, a lot of black churches, I walk in, I'm not black, right? I'm, I'm Korean. Um, I'm welcomed. Like, you know, and I've walked into Latino churches again. I'm, I'm welcomed and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely the odd one out here. Um, but some of those churches are often formed because they weren't welcomed or individuals weren't welcomed in majority white spaces. So I do think that there's actually, um, a lot of uh, growth that's needed in thinking about, especially if someone's in the majority. Uh, racially and ethnically, how do you become welcoming and how do you actually partner with a lot of um, the learning and the wisdom that's existing in the churches around? See, I like that. That's the difficult thing is partnering, not yeah. saying let's do our thing on Sunday and then, you know, the white people go there and we go there. It, it, sometimes I, mean, I know that, you know, look, I don't speak Spanish. OK, and for that reason. They have mm-hmm. Spanish churches, but still, maybe we should all get to know each other because, well, the Lord had it right that man looks at the outward appearance, but God knows the heart. And so when we see these different ethnicities, I think it challenges us, really, because yeah. people are uncomfortable with it. People are uncomfortable when, hey, what's that Jewish guy doing there? What's that Hispanic doing there? And um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, what, it does something. What does it cause in the heart for a man or a woman to have to think outside of themselves and say, well, as you said, to confront the uniqueness of each and every person that God made people unlike you. You know, I think we often shy away from that discomfort as Americans. We often don't like to be uncomfortable, but I think that discomfort back to the muscle analogy is when you're growing new muscles and Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable because it's stretching us and it's growing us. But I think that's what we need. Um, I know for me, as someone that works in the evangelism department um, of my organization, I'm like, I grow a lot learning from people that are different from me, that are ethnically, racially different, that have different story, a different family, and hearing about their journey of faith, hearing about how God motivated them, um, you know, to to obey him, to to sacrifice, right, to to love the other. Um, there are things that I learn in the stories of someone whose face and story look and sound nothing like mine that deeply bless me. Um, and, and for me, actually, a lot of lessons I've learned from um, like people in uh, Rwanda or Uganda or uh, learning from a native Christian theologian. Those were like so different from my experience, but it deeply impacted me because I realized we're all humans. Like, yeah, we're all humans, and also the way Jesus looks in those stories are, is so beautiful. Um, and by the way, one of my my favorite local like kind of preacher pastors, he's he's a Jewish man that um, became a Christian. He's a fantastic speaker, um, and I just love having non-Christian students listen to him because he's so captivating. There's so much like energy and life um, and what he has to say, and that's 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 another example, right? There's gifts that we bring that God's given to each of us that are distinctive, um, and I think that the body of Christ is stronger, more effective in witness, and more effective, more effective in uh, reconciliation and justice when we work together, not in silos. That's true. What's his name? <laughs> you, you don't have to give it up if you don't want. To. I'm, I'm curious though. I'd like, I, you know, I go on YouTube and, and check out different. It's up to you. No, we're not going to put oh, you on the spot. Name, oh, he doesn't. His name doesn't sound Jewish. Uh, Garrett Smith. Um, Derek Smith. He has, he has a, yeah, uh, Garrett Smith. He has a really fun story of conversion. Um, but you should check him out. Yeah. So what do you think when people think they know you or, you know, from different ethnicities, like you're Korean, they say, oh, she must be smart. And uh, in that case, they're right, because you went to MIT and you are smart, you know, and things like that. But sometimes we, we get it wrong. We we rush, don't we, when we think yeah. we know about different ethnicities and things like that? Are we, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think um, I think the really growing edge is to is to go beyond pat answers or assumptions and actually really be open ended, right, in our questions, right. So you know, I talk about not asking, hey, like, what are you? Or you know, someone asked me, are you Chinese or are you Japanese? I'm like, um. There was an entire war fought by like America on the Korean Peninsula. You know, um, I always feel actually, stupid when I get it wrong. I'm like, "Are you Japanese?" They're like, "No," and then I feel like, "Oh no, are you Chinese?" No, are you Korean? Yes. I mean, I don't know. And people ask me if I'm Italian. I'm, you know, Jewish, Jewish yeah, Christian. I think it's actually, you know, when we ask an open-ended question like, "Hey, what, what's your ethnic background?" or, you know, "What's your heritage?" and tell me more about your story mm-hmm. versus assuming. I think that's far more honoring, right? Because then. Instead of having to push back against a false assumption and say, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't right, <laughs> or that thing you thought about me, um, I need to correct that. And especially when you're doing it with a stranger or someone that's not a Christian, that's not checking things, that hasn't checked out church yet, and they're kind of like, you know, not sure about Christians, like, that's actually trust-breaking. Um, and for me, actually seeing the church be more effective in its witness uh, is a big reason why I wrote the book, um, because I... I don't want to see those those kind of things get in the way of people approaching Jesus and giving Christianity a chance. It's true. We're talking with Sarah Shin in the book called Beyond Colorblind, Redeeming Our Ethnic Journey. And so what are some of the conversation pieces that uh, I know the book is new, but uh, what do people thank you about writing the book and what do you talk about? And what are some of the discussions and uh, what was the hardest thing about writing this book? Oh, wow. That, that was a lot of stuff. Um, uh, I think, um, well, I think the thing that I really tried to do was to not write it from just one ethnic or racial perspective. Um, so I tried to not assume one type of readership. Uh, there's a lot of stories from many different ethnic backgrounds. Um, and a number of people that have read it, they were like, oh, I, this is a story. This is a book for me, or I could share this with my church or I feel like this is not just coming from a black white perspective. Um, and so that's been really encouraging to hear because, um, you know, I have a friend that's native and he's been kind of tweeting different things that maybe he likes about it and uh, including the native story and honoring the native story, especially when there's been so much harm done to um, the native community by the U S um, and by, by churches historically in the past. I, I was, um, that really blessed me because I was like, I really want to make sure that um, we're not just having exclusive conversations that just center on one or two ethnic or racial groups. So uh, when it comes to the Pocahontas remark, <laughs> do we make a big deal about it or is it, it was, a, you know, OK, are we too PC or, or is that is that a fair discussion to talk about? I mean, when people are talking about it. Well, I'm like, I'm going to be trying to be respectful um, <laughs> and uh you know, I think the context one, I, I don't, I don't think it was appropriate because these were, these were, um, war veterans, right? Um, mm. these were, these were men that grew up in contexts where they, they had to hold on very, uh, dearly to their language, um, being Navajo. And often that was very discouraged in Christian boarding schools. And then they went and like used that language that they fought so hard to, you know, to hold on to that culture that they love and they use that to help uh, serve a country that often um, mistreated their people. And um, I, part of me is like, you know, yeah, like using a, a name like Pocahontas that often it has a very complicated and um, often not factually based kind of story that's, 
that's told to children and, and using it from their presence and kind of uh, diverting the honor that was, should have been given to them as as veterans that 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 was I think that was just off color, you know, that yes, that shouldn't have happened. So, yeah, I, I know. Good. <laughs> really a there, but yeah, I just was I was we'll get you out of this. Like, wow, you know, they they really gave a lot. Yes. and They helped win a war, um, you know, and. And um, and I think one of the guys said, you know, America's strength comes in its diversity. And I really could not agree more. Mm. Even in the face of that, he was like, this is what makes my country great. And um, I was really struck by that. And Good um, Disney film, bad <laughs> comment. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do have to ask you, and also, I mean, when you look at the NFL, they're going to have to change a lot of, eventually, they're probably going to have to change a lot of team names because... They deal with some ethnicity issues, even. And when you look yes. at that, but you mentioned here in your book, a broken response number three, rejection of ethnicity. You talk about this now. Maybe you can elaborate. You say hatred of others, given the historic nature of ethnic tension, conflict, war, and racism, it becomes accepted in cultures to define their ethnicity by their hatred of an ethnic group. Interesting. <laughs> So you want me to share more? Well, about that? you can. How about the next one? Viewing a people as inferior. How about yeah. that? Um, I mean, well, one, this happens throughout history. It's not just uh, in North America or in the states, but um, a lot of you know when you talk about segregation of um, black and and white churches that exist today, a lot of that was because. Um, uh, black Americans were either not allowed to worship in white churches or they were relegated to more um, demeaning um, places. Um, and so and a lot of that had to do with the idea of like, you know, uh, racial inferiority. Right. Um, that that's false. That's uh, really not substantiated. And, you know, um, you, you have Jewish heritage and a lot of that kind of that, again, very poor science As someone that went to a science school. and like that's, you know unfounded but stuff that uh, was eugenics that was used to argue um, for the superior intellect of wider uh, certain european uh, persons or european descended persons and against um, people of color um, against jewish folks like that's that's an example right that spans not just america but you know like world war ii the holocaust um, that also if you think about the japanese holocaust uh, where japan uh kind of use the idea of Japanese superiority to conquer many Asian countries leading to about 20 million that died. It was again, this idea that we are, we are superior. And so we can actually conquer and kill a lot of these spaces. And that actually led to destruction, you know, that led to so much um, turmoil and, and, and death and, and mm. poverty. And um, I think that's, that's a, unfortunately it's an old story that repeats yes. throughout history. I really love what you just said because it hits the nail on the head that, you know, I think the reason we're uncomfortable is somehow we think one group has to be better than the other. In our hearts, we might really think that. That's why mm -hmm. it gets kind of, I mean, it, it does make a person somehow choose rather than say, you know, we're all equal. We're all made in the image of God. But something about the human heart that says, no, this race is better than that race is better than that race. Yeah. So we. And, and that's sin, right? Yeah. And that's human sin we are yeah. all of us we are broken that's um, right and that leads and us to our next uh, topic here hatred of the self <laughs> it's a good it's a good segue <laughs> there sin yeah. leads to hatred of the self yeah yeah so i think a hatred of the self in our divided context and given a lot of you know um, things that happen in the u.s and other spaces when 
uh, when someone's like growing up in the States, you know, often children of immigrants or um, uh, people of color, they grow up not being in the majority, right? They don't look like a lot of the heroes or the um, people that are shown on TV. And so um, implicitly, they start to get the message that who they are is less than. Right. Or they might also on top of that have experiences of racism, of racially uh, related bullying and just a lot of different things you know, that, that make will be like, well, actually, I don't like who I am. Um, and so hatred of self, uh, of ethnic self and rejection of that self. I see that a lot in college students where like they've learned to kind of try to they try to be white, you know, and they're like, I'm just going to that's the way to be accepted. I'm going to pretend like I don't have my um, my ethnic background. Um and that's actually a poverty and a loss because I think God wants to show beauty um, in that person's story and affirm like, hey, I made you for good. Um, I think also, weirdly, on the flip side, for a number of um, white students that I work with in college ministry, right, as they're learning about history of the U.S., right, and learning about history of a lot of ways that um, power was misused against people of color at the hands of um, white people that did misuse that power, then they're like, wait, what does that mean that I'm white? Um, and it's very confusing. And I also see then a kind of hatred of self of being like, oh, who I am is bad. And they're you know, talking about this now as far as the uh, the royals, you know, with their Prince William. And <laughs> yes. this is a topic that all of a sudden is really blowing up. I mean, when people have to address, are, are we talking white? Are we talking black? And how does the, the monarchy yeah. deal with that? And then it's on CNN or, you know, choose Fox, yeah. whatever, whatever one you, you know, yeah. You want. Oh, yeah. But That's it's an interesting, so timely conversation. Yeah, about about a black princess. You know? Right. <laughs> and, uh but I think actually the way the royal family's been responding it's to so far, I hope I haven't missed something, is um, I feel like they're actually trying to be very supportive. And they're like, yes, I, I, I'm very curious to see what happens in the next couple of years um, in that engagement and marriage, because that's that's pretty huge. It's, um, that's huge. It, re- it yeah. really is. And uh, I don't know. They're talking about some things like in the church. Will it be? I don't know. I mean, it's too, too confusing. Open up too many cans of worms. Will it be allowed the wedding in this particular church or that church or I don't oh. know. But um, so how are we doing with the whole uh, love one another that uh, the Lord has told us to love one another? Do we? I mean, as simple as that is. I, my goodness, we forget, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was a time where we might have thought, hey, we're doing much better than like you know, fifty years ago or two hundred years ago. But I think if we look at what's happening now, um, I think we say like, hey, we're still affected by sin. We still need a savior. We still need the good news. Um, and yeah, it it's hard to read the news. It's hard to be attuned to what's happening. But I'm also like, hey, I, I need to actually prepare those that I lead to be able to share the gospel. And um, I don't think we're doing the best job of loving each other. Um, and sometimes I think shallow love um, we can feel like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm just going to be in the same building or be in the same class. And, you know, that, that makes me kind of tolerant of someone that's different from me, but actually real love, like love has a face, right? Mm-hmm. Like God didn't, didn't, God didn't come to us in like a shower of gold rain, right? Or some abstract, like, you know, like principle. He came to us in, in, in human flesh and form, you know, in, in a, in the form of a Jewish man in a baby, and so God chose to love us with a face and a name. And if we actually don't love each other and know each other's stories, um, then I don't think we're actually loving each other. It's and true. I think we're at a critical um, time and place. Like we're at, we can either love each other deeply, get to know each other and actually say, hey, this is uncomfortable. 
Sarah, Sarah, I think you're, I think you're thinking too hard here. The the church has this covered. It's it's called the thirty second handshake at the church service. That that should be enough time, right? Oh man, that would be so awkward if someone shook my hand for thirty seconds. Well, they, I mean, not thirty, but I mean, they give people a chance to shake people's hands for thirty seconds. But truly, I kid, we don't get to know one another that way. Thirty seconds is not enough time to go into you know, understanding one another, and so you know, it's a great conversation. Now, um, I want to say that I want you, you know, if you don't mind, a little plug here. It's Christmas time, so do you sell your artwork online? I'm kind of putting you in the spot, but uh, <laughs> may make a good gift this time of year. You can give out the website if you want. Well, um, right now, my husband and I, we've been doing a lot of art together, but however, the art that's currently being showcased is more of his, but if you want to check that out, um, it's give, Shin give Happens. Hubby, give Hubby a plug. Go ahead. Yeah, it's Shin Happens, not not the what you think is. So oh my goodness. I N and Happens dot <laughs> com. Um, and actually, if you order the book, um, <laughs> like it, three or more or ten or more, you can actually uh, with that with the promo code of Shin Art, um, all caps, you can actually get um, the books at a discount, thirty or forty percent off, wow. depending on the amount. Plus some. Uh, ethnically diverse art for your wall. Um, That's exactly right. With different spiritual themes. And so. I know someone who would love this for Christmas. Oh, well, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just well, you never know. But you know, it's uh, it's uh, Shara Shin. She's the author with us right here. Beyond Colorblind is the name of the book, Redeeming Our Ethnic Journey. And just to mention the problems with colorblind diversity in the church, lack of biblical literacy on ethnicity. Lack of understanding self, lack of understanding others, irrelevant, harmful witness and stewardship that causes more harm and pushes people away from the gospel and from trusting Jesus in a distant, ineffective church. We appreciate you writing the book. Can you please tell us, you know, as far as your title and everything, I know you work at InterVarsity uh, Church Christian Fellowship, excuse me. And what is your title? I'm the Associate National Director of Evangelism. Wow. It's a good question to ask at the beginning of the interview. But I'm me, which is unique. <laughs> so I'm asking now, well, it's a great book. We appreciate you writing it, and uh, hopefully people get it, because certainly this time of year, Christmas, that uh, this is where everyone can experience the, the love of Jesus and maybe where the gospel is a little bit more pronounced. So, again, thank you so much for writing it and for being on the program. Thank you, Michael.